Hey, I want to tell you a little story really quick. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, um, I was a youth pastor for about 10 years, and I lived probably about four miles from the closest ski resort to L.A. So it was my job, I suffered for Jesus to, go, to, to, to snowboard. So I, I snowboarded, and that was my suffering for Jesus uh, as I lived four miles from the, 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 the ski resort closest to L.A. And we, you know, our church was Hillside Church, and it was... Um, it was, uh, uh, you know, up there we had a lot of kids that just either they, they were homeschooled or they would get off school early and they would just go to Mountain High and they would hang out and do their thing. And so early on I realized, and my church said, you know what, we have to buy you a season pass every year. And I went, darn, um, I guess I better go up there and start learning how to snowboard. So I got a snowboard, I got the gear, and I had all the stuff, but I didn't know how to snowboard. And one of my... Um, one of my youth said, hey, I could teach you how to snowboard. And I should have said, no, I'm going to let somebody else teach me. Um, but I let this guy teach me anyway. He's a great kid. But man, he just I, I trusted him to teach me something uh, that I really wish I would have gotten a better teacher. First of all, <laughs> don't, don't let a freshman teach you how to snowboard, um, especially if he's got ADD too, just like me. So... He, he, I went on, he, I, we, we got there and he's, and I said, okay, so where's the bunny hill? Where's the easy slope where I learned? He said, oh, you don't want to do that. That, that's just for sissies. You're not a sissy. And I went, yeah, I'm not a sissy. And so he took me to this intermediate hill called Coyote. I should have gotten a, um, a, a hint when, uh, when the name of the hill is something that could eat your small, um, cat when you leave it out. So, um, Basically, here, here I was on Coyote, and I was like, oh my gosh. And he showed me like a couple of things, and he's like, okay, I'll see you in a second. And he took off, and I was like, oh no. And so I kind of fumbled my way down. I was like, oh, this isn't too bad. I fell a number of times, but it, it, Coyote wasn't so bad. It was an intermediate hill. But then the second time, I said, okay, should I go to the bunny hill now? Because I don't feel like I'm getting it. And he said, no, no, no. The, the best thing to do is to go to Blue Ridge. And, and I said, and I said, well, well, what's Blue Ridge? And he said, it's that big hill up there that looks like it's going straight down. And, and I said, oh, uh, no. And he said, no, 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 trust me. Trust me. You don't trust freshmen, okay? You just don't. Freshmen boys, don't trust them. I have a shotgun because my daughter's a freshman, all right? And if a freshman boy comes over, I'm going to be cleaning that gun in front of him with a hatchet. Just so he gets the point. But, but the bottom line is, I mean, great kid, but man, I shouldn't have trusted him because he took me to a, 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 now an advanced hill, my second time ever being on. I mean, it had been 20 minutes. And he takes me up to this hill and I'm looking at it as we get off and I go, you know, of the, the lift and I couldn't even get off the lift without stumbling and falling and people running into me and it was very embarrassing. And so here I am at this hill and he goes, so you got the basics? And I said, yeah. And he said, I'll see ya. And he takes off. <laughs> And I'm like, why did I trust this kid? (sighs) So I began to try to get myself down the hill. And it took an hour and a half to get down that hill. (laughs) It took an hour and a half. Now, I go to that hill now and it takes me two minutes at the most. An hour and a half. My tailbone hurts so bad. I used to pride myself on how quickly I can pick things up, okay? And, and here I was just falling the whole time, trying to figure this out, going back to kind of what he said. And every, like, ten minutes or so, he would stop by. And he, because he would gone down and came back up on the lift and said, hey, how are things going? And I would go, you, and he would take off. You know, <laughs> I couldn't even yell at him. He would be gone. And so... 
But I remember being there going, this is ridiculous. I can't believe anybody could ever do this. Anybody could ever do this. And I remember sitting there and going, and I'm watching these really good professional snowboarders go by. And I remember thinking to myself, how is it that they got it and I don't? And I started watching them. And I went, oh, so they do that. They're leaning. And I remember he said I should lean. And so I kind of started to figure it out. And by the, by the time I got to the bottom of that hill about an hour and 45 minutes later, I pretty much had it. It was weird, but I had it. I started at the top and I came to the bottom. And, and the only difference was I started copying those really good snowboarders. That was it. Because I'm the kind of guy, you can tell me and you can tell me, but until I see it, I don't understand it. That's just the way I was. You know, when my teachers were talking at school, I was sitting back there reading a book. Because don't talk to me. I don't know what you're saying, but I want to see it. I want to I actually visualize it. I need to walk it. And so as I was on that hill, I started to see them just do what they were doing. And I went, oh, oh, now I get it. And I copied them. I didn't copy the guys like me that were sitting there going, oh. Because that would be stupid, right? But I copied the ones that were getting it. The trick was all in the balance. And I remember going back down, and I didn't go to Blue Ridge again. I went down Coyote, and I stayed on that one for a little while. But I got it. See, the same goes for the Christian life. You see, we, we're going through this whole thing called Love Came Down. It's a whole series. And bottom line, we have this, this, um, this aspect that, that, that Christianity is different than any other Religion, Because what it says is, God came down. He met us at this mountain. And he didn't just say, come on up, figure life out, get it right, do these three things, or do these ten things, or if you don't have it right, you will never reach me. No, he says, I come down to you. God comes toward us. God moves first. It's grace. And he meets us at the cross. And he says, now, with my help, now take my hand and we will go together and I will show you, I will show you what it means to walk in faith, to trust God, to live with the Creator as God's created being as we were meant to. And He doesn't leave us like that freshman kid that left me and just kept coming back every now and then. He doesn't leave us. He says, follow me and do as I do. My Father is your Father. This is the God we worship. The one who moved into our neighborhood and wants to take up residence with you and me so we can be unstuck and live a free, awesome, truth-filled life with Jesus. So in the previous chapter, what we were looking at was just how God or Jesus came to do this, to to, to share with us and show us, and now taking us by the hand in chapter 6, He wants us to watch and learn. And that's this part of righteousness, actually living in righteousness. And some of those pitfalls. And so what we're going to look at today is we've got two warnings that Jesus gives in this first four verses of chapter 6. As he says, this is the way it is to live. Now watch and do this. But as you are um, doing this with me, as you're walking with me, here's some warnings. And this is what it should look like if you're walking in the way. And so we want to look at that today. So... If we could just stand to pray and read God's word, we're going we're gonna to pray right now. And then we're going to jump into God's word. And my hope is that God's word, Jesus Christ, jumps in in your life, in your issues, and in your struggles. So let's pray. Lord, we come before you and we, we thank you for the fact that we can bring our little ones to you. But Lord, the truth is, we are all little ones 
We are all in of ourself, by ourself. We're just wandering. We're just groping in the darkness. That's why you sent your son. That's why love came down. Because you loved us so much. You sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to bring us the truth, to bring us love, to, to convict our hearts, not to condemn us, but to bring us to your, to your Father, to you, God. So we thank you. Lord, we lift up a, 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 a man, Bob Bigger. Lord, I just heard recently that, that he has gotten prognosis negative with cancer. He might not even get out of the hospital. Lord, this, this just weighs on my heart. But you knew about this before the world was even created. You knew Bob's days before anything existed. Lord, see, that's our hope. That, that, that you didn't just come down in the good times, but you've come down in the bad times. You've come down in, in sickness and in health. You've come down in poverty and in wealth. You came down to give us what we need, God. And so we lift up Bob to you. We lift up the people in here who are struggling to you, Lord. We lift up these people because, Lord, without you, we're nothing. We're your bride. Through your son, Jesus Christ, who's the groom? We are your bride. And we want to commit our lives to the one that walked ahead of us and the one that takes our hand. And we just pray the same for Bob. If there's a healing there, heal him. But Lord, we know you've got him. And when we look back on our life, we say, hey, why were there only one pair of footsteps? Because that's where you carried us. Lord, thank you for that. And we just bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now don't sit down because we're going to go ahead and read Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And Jesus says this, Watch out. See, there's the warning. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. Now before he had said, let your light shine before men. Now he's saying, don't, don't, don't do your good deeds publicly. So what is it, Jesus? There is no contradiction here. But we're going to look at something that he's doing. And this is beautiful. So he says, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. All right, you may be seated. So watch out. That's what Jesus is saying. This is the warning. And I, like I said, I, I, I want you guys to see these two warnings really quickly because Jesus, as any good prophet that came down to do, but also as the Son of God, as God incarnate, He, he, he wants to let us know something that, 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 that we are on this path as people. And I don't think we have to really look too far to see this, that, that our world is not exactly the world that God intended. That... that the life that we have today, when we turn on the news, or we hear all the strife and the struggle and the conflict, it's not the world that God had for us and the plans he had for us. But as we wrested the world from his hands and said, no, we don't need you, we're going to do it on our own. This is the world we've created. And so Jesus comes into this world, not afraid to get his hands dirty, and says, watch out, warning. And so the first warning I want to point you to very simply is be mindful of who, uh, of who your eyes are watching. Be mindful of who your eyes are watching. I don't know if you guys know this, but I have a little bit of ADD. I just do. When I first started teaching here, Jason said, okay, brother, you need to rein in your ADD. He didn't say that, but I know what he meant. 
Because I would just, I see a squirrel and I go for it. I see a rabbit trail and I run down it. That's just who I am. It's hard for me to stay focused. It is the hardest thing. I write about six to 12 pages a week. That's not me. I love to write, but I'm horrible at sitting down and typing something. I just am. I have ADD. It's hard to focus. I can focus on certain things that I really enjoy, but that's hard. But see, to some extent, we all have a spiritual ADD. You see, my ADD makes it where I can be talking to someone, but it's like watching 20 TVs at once. It's hard to describe. But my ADD makes it to where you can watch one TV. I I admire my wife so much because she can just focus on one thing. No, not me. Not me. You see, I've got 20 TVs going on at once, and it's like, oh, what's going on? See, I was the kid that I would do my homework and watch Star Trek The Next Generation at the same time and follow both. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. That's just who I am, because I can watch these different things at the same time. If I could have a computer with three or four different screens going on at the same time, that would be golden. You get what I'm saying? But to some extent, that's the way we all are with, and what Jesus is warning us of, that we all have a spiritual ADD. You see, instead of focusing and watching the one that came down, we have a tendency to go squirrel, right? We have a tendency to go, oh, look at that shiny pretty thing over here. And we walk away and we lose sight. We watch, watch with something else instead of the God that's saying, follow me. And so there's two things that I want to point you to as we watch. One is don't watch yourself to know what is right. This is, this is a very, the ADD that hits us, that spiritual ADD that hits us, we can watch ourselves. See, it's, it, the temptation is it's all about me, right? I, and this is what Jesus is warning us to. He's saying, don't let, and the biggest part of that is, is yourself. And I think we can get this. Because there's a point to where we can all get to that, that, that level where we say, hey, it truly is all about me, Right? This is my world, and you're all just living in it, right? No, (laughs) but that's the temptation, isn't it? This is the temptation in relationships. This is the temptation at work, with school, with anything we do, is to put our eyes on ourselves. See, Adam and Eve fell for it, first couple. And instead of watching God, what did they do? They saw this, this, this beautiful tree full of stuff that God said, don't touch, and they touched it. They grabbed it. Moses when he was bringing the people of Israel, he got to a point where he said, you know what, I'm tired of you guys. He struck that rock and he said, enough with you. This is what God says and I say, making himself equal with God. And God says, no promised land for you. You took your eyes off me. Gideon, who very courageously in his fear and his cowardice said, I'll do what you say, God, but at the end of his life named his son child of the king. Why? Because he took the kingship and he said, yeah, it really was me that did all that. (laughs) I'll let you worship me. But it wasn't. Saul, the first king, when he got to a point in his life where he was waiting upon Samuel, and yet he got to a point where he said, you know what, we can't wait any longer. I will do, I will do the act of worship and sacrifice. I know God said, but I'll do it because it's about me. David, instead of going off to war, Man after God's own heart loved the Lord God with all his heart, mind, and soul. But he got to a point where he was like, you know what? Everyone's going off to war. I'm going to sit back on my easy chair up on top of my palace and I'm going to look down at everything I own. Oh, look at that, a naked woman. I want her. That's what David did. You see, we all have a tendency to spiritual ADD. 
God is right in front of us. He comes down so purposefully. You can't get rid of him. He's there. And yet we go, "Uh uh-huh, and we walk off. Because something shiny, something catches our attention. And maybe you're like Moses and David, and you've taken your eyes off, and you've started watching yourself. See, the hobby that you can't seem to get enough of has now taken over. And, And see, this is the thing with taking our eyes off God. It's not always to other things that are bad, necessarily. And when we look at ourselves, I mean, you need to eat, right? You need to do these certain things, and they're not bad. See, the temptation is for these parents to just take their eyes off Jesus and now look only to their kids. But that's the dangerous part, because you're going to get nailed with it. See, that hobby that's now consuming all your time and your family doesn't even know your first name. Or every day you seem to be constantly fighting and bickering with the ones that you love because... They just don't see what you want and what you need for you. And your eyes are continually watching what you want, not what they want. And all the while, your eyes aren't on Jesus. Or, or that innocent relationship with the coworker is starting to become not so innocent. In fact, it's a little dangerous now because your eyes are not on Jesus. See, the truth is when we watch ourselves and we're not watching the love that came down, the one that has, has, has his pierced hands and says, follow me. Second area is don't watch others to know what is right. Um, as a youth pastor for almost 14 years, 10 full time, I saw a lot of kids and, and, and invariably the reason that these kids would, would start doing the things they did like 100% of the time, I'm not even kidding, I know this is my statistic and you might be you're a little skewed, but 100% of the time I saw kids do drugs or go off and get pregnant or do those things that their parents would never hope for them for was because of the kids that they were hanging with. Because of the others that they were watching. It happened to me. I was a good kid, but I got involved with a crowd that wasn't so hot. And I started watching them, and I started mimicking them. And, and every time a parent would sit before me, I would say, who's your kids hanging out with? Who are they watching? But this is who we are. We're not the sharpest tools in the shed, when we're honest. <laughs> There's a reason why God says, you're sheep that have gone astray. Sheep are dumb, people. I don't like that. God's calling us dumb, to some extent. He's saying, you got spiritual ADD. You, you watch yourself and you watch others and it's not going to work. Watch out. Watch out. How many of us have watched others and have fallen into the trap of keeping up with the Joneses and now we're not keeping up with Jesus? Or watched the crowd or trend or political movement and have been swept away in all this to the point to where we get, we just get depressed with everything going on. And we've got our eyes off Jesus. Or maybe it's your spiritual life. Because everyone else around you cares less about Jesus. And to a point now, you can't even see him anymore. And he's all but disappeared. Now that second warning is really simple. If we're going to look at what we be mindful of what we watch, we're going to need to be mindful of who or what we're worshiping. Who or what we're worshipping. See, worship is defined by what you give your time, your talent, and your treasure to. Worship always happens as we give these three things over to God. 
If we give these three things over to God in our life, because it's not just something we do in our mind, it's not just something we talk about or think about, it's something we do in action. That's the difference with Christianity. We want to be followers. We don't want to be just people who think it. You see, and you can be working and worshiping at the same time. That's the beauty of it. You can be skateboarding and be worshiping Jesus. You can be doing chores and worshiping Jesus. It's not about being at a church. This is why Paul says the church is you. Followers of Christ. And we're two or three together are, are, are there. I, Jesus is amongst you, in your midst. We could be worshiping God while spending time with our family. See, anything that takes our worship be- can become our idol. And this is important. See, a lot of times we like to think idols are just those like, like totems or, or the wood things or like little things that we light candles to and we sit there and, you know, pray to. No, our idols can be anything that take our eyes off of Jesus. You see, this is why we dedicate again. Because as a parent, especially with a little one, the idea is, I need to focus all my attention on this little one to the point where I take my eyes off Jesus and we could start actually worshiping a great, a good thing, which is our kids. Some of you, we, we can get to the point where we worship work, where we, we worship our stuff, our relationship. And these are good things. See, idols aren't always bad. In fact, most of the time, idols are good. That's why we worship them. But we don't want a good thing. We want to worship the best thing which is Jesus. That's why the parents dedicated their children today. Jesus here is warning us that everything else can take our focus off of the living God. See, I grew up in a church my whole life where I worshipped God on a Sunday, but when it came down to my my time, my talents, my treasure, whatever it was, I didn't live a life of worship. And so I struggled. I, I, I walked one way during the week with, with my time, with, with, with my talents, who I was, the gifts that God gave me. I, I used them for everything else in that. And I, I said, this is my thing. I want this. I want to. And I sat at the idol of popularity. And I sat at the idol of success. And I sat at the idol of pleasure. And I sat at these idols and worshipped. And, 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 and Jesus, who came down, was there before me saying, these are never going to satisfy Because what happened over time as I worshipped these things, the good things I started to worship became worse and worse. And pretty soon I started worshipping drugs and alcohol. Because you get tired, don't you? When you take your eyes off of the one that created us and was only meant to fill us. Because all these idols will go away from you and leave you frustrated and tired and alone. Jesus wants to point out the practices of the religious elite in that day for a reason. When someone would give in the temple, you see, um, they, they, they would have this whole band ready to play and these trumpets would go off. And so when someone gave a big, big amount of money, they would drop it and, and depending on how big it was, they would get a big procession, right? They would get this big sound and everyone would be like, hey, hey, look at him. I was at Stater Brothers the other day. C-A-D-D, but it has a point. Now, I was at Stater Brothers the other day. And, and here I was there, and, and, and they were like, did you, did you want to give to the children? And I went, of course, who doesn't want to give to the children, right? Some of you don't give to the children, I know you. You need to give to the children. So I thought, of course I'll give to the children. Here's my dollar. <laughs> I'm not going to give five dollars, I'm going to give a dollar to the children. Because I have a dollar. And they go, great! And then they do this thing where they're like, we have another giver! 
And they shout it out on the PA, and then they make me sign this thing that says I gave, and I felt kind of good. I was like, that's right, you got yourself a giver. (laughs) His name is Chris. You know what I mean? That's just what we do, right? And that's the idea, like they're shouting it out, and I got my reward. Because I walked out going, that's right, I'm a giving kind of guy. I gave a dollar to the children. (laughs) See, when people find out I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor... If I do something nice for them, they go, well, I want to, I want to give. I want to give to, to, your, to your church. No, no, no. I'm doing it because I just, I, I, I just want to share God's love. No, no, I want to give. I want to give. No. I'm not looking for a reward. I'm not looking to help with this. I'm not, I just want to be a giver. And, and this is the thing that, that, that gets us. We want to feel good. I mean, it's good to give, but why are you posting those things on Facebook? Is it so as to inform and really just say, this is how good God is? Or is it because you really like it when you get 50 to 100 likes? And there's something about getting recognized and said, oh, goody, I feel good. Because everybody is blowing their trumpets for me. Or when you talk to your peers and your friends and those at work about your kids? Are you really doing it just to share and to give God the glory? Or is it about how good and amazing your kids are? And and, and there's something about getting that glory from how good your kids are. And when your kids are bad, you're not necessarily saying anything because they're going to bring you shame and you can't gloat over them and you can't get that good stuff so you have to keep it quiet. You see what happens? We do this. There's trumpets all the time. They're just digital trumpets now. Or they're trumpets from the mom and dad, or the, and we do it. This is the warning. Are you working 20 hours a week? See, this is, this is what men do sometimes. Because we love the attaboys, don't we? When I played baseball, they'd slap me right on the butt or on the back. Good job, Robbins! You did a good hit! I didn't care about the hit anymore. I cared about the attaboy. I want another attaboy. I'm going to do my best to get an attaboy or an girl. And some of us are that way. We've got to get an attaboy. We've got to get an girl Because you're doing so good. And we, people need to know that I'm good. So I'm going to work 20 hours a week. And my, my, my kids won't even know who I am. Who are you watching? Who are you worshiping? So now what? What is the way we go? Because these are the warnings. What's the way? First of all, become wary of your motives. Become wary of your motives. Um, the, the idea is just look at your own motives with suspicion. Like a beat cop talking to a criminal. You know this person's a criminal. And you're looking at them and you're like, I know you got issues. I know you're doing something. You, you ever talk to your kids and they're hiding something from you? They're not really good at hiding those things. And they won't look you in the eye or something. And they're just kind of dodging every question. That's the idea with your motives. The truth is, you don't always know why you do what you do. Guys are really good at this. I mean, we we really have no clue what's going on inside of us. Women are a little more in tune with their own feelings. Us guys are like, why'd you do it? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just angry. Well, why are you angry? I don't know. I want to punch something. (laughs) Why? I don't know. I don't know what's going on in me. That's the idea here. Our motives are suspect. Paul says there is no one righteous. No one does good. All have fallen away. But David in Psalm 139 says, Search me and know me, God, because I got no clue. I don't know why I do what I do. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting. Lead me. The idea is God is with us. He's come down to show us because our motives are suspect. 
We need to be wary of our motives. Why do we work so hard? Why do we spend so many hours? Why do we neglect our family to do this? Why? This is the time of retrospection. This is the time to to turn your eyeballs backwards. Look at your calendar. Who are you worshiping? Who are you watching? Be wary of of your motives. Why do you care so much to get the praise? Why do we eat too much? Why? Do do you get it? Why? Jesus is that clarion call warning us to be wary of our motives. Seek wages from God instead of others. That's that second part. If we're to be wary of our motives, secondly, we need to seek wages wages from our God instead of others. You see, like I said, as I went to Stater Brothers and I got that attaboy and that praise, I was like, yeah, feeling good. That was my wage. Five seconds of, I'm great. Then I went back to feeling like a toad again. But see, when we go to God and we say, God, you're the rewarder of all good things, and we don't let our right hand know what our left hand is doing because we're giving it to God, He's going to give us back tenfold. It feels good to be affirmed. It feels good to get praised and loved and rewarded. But it feels so much better when we get that from our Heavenly Father who created us to give to us. How many praises do we need from that one person? How many wages, how many dollars of attaboys do you need from your boss? Just one more, right? Just one more. You see, I want to encourage you. It's so easy to fall into the trap of the idol of worshiping and watching the other thing instead of the love that came down through Jesus Christ. And we're not wary of our motives and so we get our wages which is continually going away. Continually going away. Because there's never going to be enough praise. There's never going to be enough I love yous. There's never going to be enough time spent with that kid, that spouse. There's never, ever, ever going to be unless it comes from God, our Father, the Creator of heaven and earth. Amen? This is what God wants from us. There's never going to be a job that fits. There's never going to be a spouse that works perfectly. It just doesn't happen. But this is the temptation of the idols that scream at us. So what are you watching? Who are you worshiping? God has rewards for you. Wages that only He could give. So my question is simple. Do you know this God? The one and only Son, Jesus, that came down to meet you and walk with you. Let's pray. Lord, I just bless you and I thank you for who you are. That you came down to meet me, to meet us in our good and our bad. Where we keep, we have our spiritual ADD. And you have your, you've warned us for a reason so that we might seek you out and follow you in, as you are the way, the truth, and the life. And my encouragement now, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you don't know this Jesus, if this is, if this is new to you, Maybe you've heard it before. You know, people have told you God loves you, but you've never experienced the love of God. You didn't really know that Jesus came down to meet you and to take your sin on that cross. To take your guilt, to take your spiritual ADD of watching everything else 
took it all. He paid the punishment. He was beaten and killed. Because no one is righteous. No one is perfect. And whether you're a sinner or a saint, we're all at the same place at the foot of the cross, knowing that Jesus equally took our punishment. For His stripes, we have been healed. He was wounded so that we might have a way. Our prayer is that you would come to know Jesus. And you would take this time. We have prayer warriors and prayer partners to pray with you. Because we want you to know this Jesus. We don't just dedicate our children here. We dedicate all children, you and me, to the living, loving God that came down. Lord, we thank you. We just pray now that if there are people here that need you, that they would stick around and talk with us. And we would have... We would have a place in our family for your brothers and your sisters who you've been looking out for before this world was ever created. And we give this time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.